Green. Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack. And join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! And a good football Friday morning, Birds fans. May the next 500 begin. Uh, you got Mac and Mac here on your Birds 365 football Friday. Johnny Mac, uh, no shopping in the bargaining bin for the Eagles over the last couple of days. So we are left less than three weeks away to talk about the draft, which, yeah, by the time we get to the draft, it'll be so nice if the Eagles actually do something and make a move and pick a player, and that way we can break it down rather than speculate. But we are in the speculating mode now. We're in the misinformation mode while we're at it. Uh, teams floating certain uh, desires and likes and scatter reports and everything to try and lead someone astray, and you have to try and figure out who's giving you the real deal and who's making it up, which is a yearly process that I always get a kick out. I just think it's great when people are putting up. And then to go back after the fact and look, wait, wait, didn't they say they love this guy sitting on the board and they passed on him? Yeah, Yeah, that's called misinformation. I love that stuff. Um, Yeah, some of it's good. Some of it's bad, though. You you go to uh, Laramie Tunsil, remember that. That was that was that was shaky. Um, you know, some people go to too far lengths to try to, you know, get people to skip on players or things of that nature. I think so it's you, you think an NFL team put out the Tunsil video? No, mistake? but I think, you know, I think there's, there's, untor- in fact, that was, you know, a relative, uh, as I remember, but, you know, I think people are pushed in certain directions. I think it's like, you know, you say that term disinformation, misinformation. In that world, you know, the term is useful idiot. You use other people to get what you want uh, accomplished is how, uh, they, is how I will say it. They, they probably think of themselves as just being smarter and yeah. uh, taking advantage of. Useful idiot is another way to describe it. Yeah, <laughs> I get where you're coming from. Um, here's where I uh, am going to take the start of today's show. And I'm going to tell you out of time, it's a completely unfair question I'm going to ask you, but you're a big guy and you're smart. You are no useful idiot. So I'm going to ask (laughs) you to do some helpful speculating with me today. 
when we started Birds 365 low uh, two years ago, uh, we had just gotten on the air, beginning our first 500 shows as we embarked on the second grouping of 500 shows. It was <coughs> leading up to the NFL draft in 2021. And the Eagles had the sixth pick in the draft. And they decided to trade out from six back to 12 to give themselves more draft capital. And then during the uh, the draft, they decided to move back up. So how he moved back, then he moved back up from six to 12 and then from 12 to 10. And they did something that most people wouldn't believe could have happened. They made a trade with the Dallas Cowboys who gave them what they wanted, the ability yeah. to move up two slots and get uh, Devonta Smith. And I remember you and I talking about it afterwards, and you were pretty adamant about the Eagles had a group that they were looking at at number 10 and that they thought that. Well, they were looking at it at 12 real quick. They thought one of the five would drip, would fall to. Okay. So not before they move. Right. At 12, before they move back up to 10. Sorry, I misspoke. Yeah. Um, And that was, you know, that's why they felt comfortable moving down from six uh, thinking, you know, you're talking six spots. Uh, they thought one of those guys would sort of trickle through. Uh, and when it became, DeMonte was the last one left. And when it became clear that that's where the move with the giant uh, uh, Cowboys, because the Giants, the Eagles were pretty convinced the Giants were going to take DeMonte at 11. So they had to go back up to 10 and Cowboys didn't care because they wanted Micah Parsons. And they knew the Eagles, you know, they didn't know. But you, generally, when you make those trades, you say, offense, defense, what are you taking? Um, and, you know, you're not going to burn bridges. So you tell the truth when that happens. And from the Cowboys' perspective, they're okay with it. They know where the Giants were going. And they were like, Micah Parsons is going to be there. So that's one of those rare trades that worked out for both teams. Uh, but yeah, uh, so the 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 five players and you know remember, so Trevor Lawrence they knew they couldn't get obviously, so he's off the board. Zach Wilson they liked, but they knew they couldn't get. You know, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. Uh, they knew they couldn't get him. They knew they couldn't get Jamar Chase. So those three are off the table. Not like they didn't like those players. Uh, uh, obviously, everybody loved Lawrence and Chase. Zach Wilson now, a lot of people love Zach Wilson. A lot of people pretend to not like Zach Wilson now because of how things have shaken out. But it was pretty evident they weren't going to be able to get them. So the five five players was Kyle Pitts, and that was probably unrealistic. Uh, Jalen Waddell. They loved, and the two cornerbacks, uh, J.C. Horner and Patrick Sertan, and, and I think that would, those were the two players they thought they were going to get. They thought they would get one of those two, and uh, Horn ended up going eighth. Uh, Sertan went ninth, and I think Horn, if you want to boil it down, is the guy they thought they would get uh, at 12. Um, and that sort of... Uh, went away and Devonte was the last of that group and they felt there was a big drop off from him to the next group the next tier shall we say and and so they made to move up and it worked out uh but that's sort of 
you know, why you make these types of trades. And remember, they got significant, significant compensation from dropping six to 12, but they right. did love, they did love Jalen Waddle. If, if, you know, if it came down to Jalen Waddle versus Devontae Smith, they won't admit it now, but they would have taken Jalen Waddle. And Waddle went with that pick at number six. The Dolphins thought that highly of Waddle that they took him at number six. Uh, so the Eagles had no chance to get Waddle. Uh, they may or may not have known what uh, Miami was going to do, but they might not have cared if they had a large enough group of players to select from. They thought one would definitely get down to number 12. Uh, they they needed to get aggressive and move back up two slots to get one of the guys they wanted. So we, And oh, by the way, uh, the Cowboys trading back and thought they were going to get Michael Parsons. They didn't really know because the Giants were between the Eagles. They 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 might have known the Eagles were going wide receiver and uh, that, that there was no chance of uh, Michael Parsons coming off the board. The Giants, if memory yeah, it's always they, a calculated gamble because right. remember Chicago went up. They traded get, out. Uh, the Giants yeah. traded out of that yeah. to uh, select. Uh, Justin Fields. So it worked out. Yeah. Talk about win-win for the Eagles and the Cowboys. That was also a win for the uh, Bears by uh, moving into number 11 because the Giants might not have traded that pick if Jalen, uh, if uh, Devontae Smith was still sitting on the board. So that's the fun we have with the NFL draft, the speculation both before and then what actually happens and then the analysis afterwards. And some teams look good and some teams don't look as good. We are in the uh, before stage now, almost three weeks out, more than three weeks out. So here's the question I have for you today, Johnny Mac. And uh, it, it, it's, a, as I say, an unfair question because Eagles might not even have that group. I'm sure they have that their draft board now having conversations about it. Have they solidified the group of players that they want one of and uh, how he is such an active general manager with trading up and trading back. You know that they're in the midst of this process right now, where they're at, I don't know, you don't know, but I'm going to ask you to speculate. If we're looking at a group again, and you told us it was five deep uh, when they were down at number 12, so they wanted to give themselves a little wiggle room. If you want to go five deep, feel free. I won't ask you to go, to go that far because it is, as of now, a little closer up. They are in the 10th spot as of right now. When they traded back a couple of years ago, they went all the way back to 12. So you might need a larger group. Um, what kind of a group are we looking at here? How big a group do you think it runs for deep that the Eagles say, all right, we need one of these guys. If you, as you pointed out, take a couple of guys off the board to begin with, like they did a couple of years ago with the two quarterbacks and Jamar Chase, who you knew no way was getting down to uh, uh, number six, let alone number 12, where they traded down to. You want to take a couple of the quarterbacks off the board, uh, Will Anderson off the board and say, yeah, there's no chance they're getting down. How big is that group that the Eagles are looking at? And give me a couple of names that you think that are on it right now that they're looking at number 12. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think it's going to be as big this time simply because, you know, I've talked to a bunch of scouts, some on the show, some mm -hmm. off the show. Um, and they all been pretty consistent saying there's, you know, six to eight blue, real blue chip players. And most of them aren't the quarterbacks. Uh now Blake, when we had Blake Benningfield on, he he had Bryce Young in that group. Some do, some don't. 
it's usually Bryce if they have a quarterback in that group, just the top pure football players. So if you do the math and four quarterbacks uh, come off the table um, in the top nine and you're sitting at 10, well, then you're going to get one of those 68 players. Um, so I'm guessing the tier for the Eagles is, is probably going to be two to three because there's a significant uh, before there's a significant drop off. Um, and, and the one, the no brainer again, except for the off the field stuff is Jalen Carter. Right. Like if Jalen Carter's there, they're taking them. If Jalen Carter's there, I should say, and they have made the decision that all the issues aren't a problem and they don't red flag them, they're taking them. I mean, this is one of the easiest decisions I've ever had in the draft. If 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 they clear him, if they don't red flag him, and he by some strange stretch last to ten, they're taking him. It's at a position they value. It, it it's at a position they happen to need this year because they lost Javon Hargrave. You could plug him right in, and look, there's always startup costs. You always say with rookies, but. He's much more talented. I mean, he's got a chance to be, uh, and Jay Pond's a really good player, but he's got a chance to be a really, really, really good player uh, if he does all the things he needs to do. So to me, he's sort of set aside. Um, And then you start thinking about, like, Will Anderson's a guy, I mean, that to me, he's, I don't want to put him in the Jamar Chase category as a prospect, but he's a guy they're not going to get. So, oh, oh, I do. I think he's every bit the prospect yeah. that Chase was. Because remember, Chase went five. Yeah. Uh, even if the four quarterbacks go one, two, three, four, I think Anderson could be no worse than fifth. And I think somebody in the Well, I don't mean – I mean, next. still, edge rushers, you know, receivers are more valuable probably than they've ever been, but they're never going to get to the level of edge rushers. So, But part of that comes into it. Like if you go back to the Chase year, the fact that – and Kyle Pitts is a good player, but what the heck is Kyle Pitts you know, going in front of Jamar Chase for? That's, you know, there's always bad decisions. I just mean as a pure, and B. John Robinson, I should also put in that, you know, just as a pure football player, B. John Robinson's top five by everybody in this draft, by everybody. But, you know, the position is the position, and the value doesn't match uh, what he is. It's not as drastic as wide receiver, but edge rushers are always going to get a little bit of deference compared to receivers. Um, I would say, in fact, I would say it goes quarterback one and then edge rusher two when it comes to value of the NFL. Um, And and the old adage is you either get the quarterback or you get to the quarterback. That's, That's what everyone believes. So that's what I meant. I don't mean, I just mean as a, like Jamar Chase is just, uh, I, I mean, that's at his position. Like everybody talks about Jefferson, he's got more talent than Jefferson. He he he's got he he's 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 one of the best wide receiver prospects I've ever seen. Um, and Jefferson's great. I'm not downplaying Jefferson's phenomenal, but Jamar Chase is. He's got a higher ceiling. I'll say that, you know, and he's, you know, you, you could already make the argument he's better. They might be one, two in the entire NFL. 
And you can make an argument for Jamar. I mean, I would lean towards Jefferson because of the product, because he's done it. Right. Well, you can make an argument for Chase. That's how good he is, is all I'm trying to say. Um, right. The one and one A. You, yeah. Uh, you don't really have to choose between them. And if I had yeah. to, I would take Jefferson, but it's not like that. That's a slight to Jamar no. Chase. He's uh, no. absolutely phenomenal. No. And Jefferson, I don't want to slight Jeff Jefferson's but I, I'm, I'm unbelievable player, but. I'm just trying to reflect how good Jamar Chase is. So when I look at the Eagles, I look at, you know, if I'm looking at a tier at 10, I would say it's going to be edge rusher. It's going to be offensive line. Um, And I'm not putting Bijan in in the category because of the position. So Jalen, Jalen Carter, I set aside. He's by far number one. If by some reason, they don't red flag him and he falls. He's by far number one. That's the easiest decision they've ever made. Um, and then it comes down to the group of Skoronsky is the only one I would say is definitely in it. Um, I would put Paris Johnson in it as well, although I don't think he's going to be there. Um, and then the edge rushers, it's kind of like, what what flavor do they want? We talked about that yesterday. Um, you know, Lucas Van Ness is, I think he's going to go higher than people realize. I mean, I, I, everybody looks at him in college. He didn't start games. That's one of those guys that NFL scouts like more than the general public. And I think the Eagles are in that category. We've talked about Nolan Smith. You want that redundancy. Uh, the kid from Texas tech, I don't think he's going to be there. Um, but it's going to be, it's going to be that grouping, the offensive line edge rushers, and and the outlier would be Kalijah Kansi. I don't know what the Eagles feel about him because he's so undersized. But if they like him, he's another guy that go much higher than people realize. And not all that shockingly, John McMullen says the Eagles are going on the line. When in doubt, <laughs> get back to the trenches. Offensive line, defensive line. No cornerbacks, no safeties, no linebackers, no wide receivers. Well, we understand that. They got two good wide receivers. You're not taking a wide receiver three with the 10th pick of the draft. Certainly no running backs, no quarterbacks, no tight ends. Yeah, when in doubt, how he goes into the trenches. And, and by the way, I would throw cornerback in there. I just don't think the cornerbacks are 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 they're going to value them. Uh, and basically, you're talking about uh, Gonzalez and Witherspoon. I, I just don't think they're going to bow. And this is the Eagles. I think I, I always, I, this is what I think the Eagles think. I don't think they're going to value those guys as high as the offensive defensive line. Would have been very interesting if uh, one of the two cornerbacks was not still with the Eagles. And I mean, Darius Slay, yeah. um, James Bradbury, the fact that they retain both of them, uh, the Eagles will tell you, we don't even look at that way. We, we draft the best possible player yeah, to a point. I think everybody says that, and I think they mean it to a point. Yeah, yeah no, you're you right. The, when but... you get on the clock and you actually have this gaping hole, this opening in your starting lineup, and you got the 10th pick in the draft, and there's a player at a position that you feel confident can step right in and start for you, but always number 13 on your board and you're drafting number 10. Yeah, you get tempted to. Oh, uh, it would have changed. Yeah, it definitely would have changed. But it, here's how I'll describe it, because we're talking about 21, 2021. They don't think Gonzalez and Witherspoon are horned and Sertan. I'll put it that way. They they thought those guys were, you know, a step above. 
Uh, we shall see. I, I like Gonzalez a lot. That was a guy I thought he was going to take until they got both of their corners locked up. All right, what we have locked up is one of our favorite guests, John Stolnes from Bleeding Green Nation, waiting in the green room. I, when I reached out to John Cheapen because I'm on, I told him we had fun with his list last week of the unquestionable, yeah, undeniable, undebatable top John, quarterbacks John in the NFC. One of the greatest uh, arguments in uh, Birds, the first 500 shows of Birds 365. Probably didn't even know it. We'll, we'll let John Stolness explain why he laid out the group the way he laid. And the funny thing is we're both going to uh, debate with John about completely different stances. But uh, we both have a question with John's list, which we'll have some fun with when we get him up, and also talk birds and draft with John Stolis from Bleeding Green Nation next here on Birds 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right. Just by talking with Brian, in my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Mac 
Welcome back, guys, here on Birds 365. Thanks for streaming in on this football Friday. McMullen and McDonald with you. We're joined by John Stolnes from Bleeding Green Nation, one of our favorite guests. Uh, and I saw you laughing. He's still smiling. <laughs> Getting ready to come on and talk about the list that he put out last week with the quarterbacks, rankings in the NFC. First things first, I got to ask you. Did you write the headline or did someone else? I, I wrote the headline, which is why I'm surprised this is this was even. Yeah, a it's undisputed. It was an undisputed. Totally perfect. Totally perfect. Unchallengeable ranking of NFC quarterbacks. So yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm amazed yes, it was a topic right. of conversation. That's yeah. what makes it great is the headline. <laughs> and yes, I'm going to go quickly through this for everybody who's not on Bleeding Green Nation right now, and then we'll delve into it. Uh, his rankings have Jalen Hurts number one, which should make every Eagle fan on the planet happy. Jared Goff, two. Dak Prescott, three. Derek Carr, four, coming over to the NFC. Geno Smith, five. Justin Fields, six. Daniel Jones, seven. Uh, Matthew Stafford, eight. Uh, Brock Purdy, nine. Oh, we'll talk about Brock. Kirk Cousins, 10. Oh, we'll talk about Kirk. Uh, <laughs> Kyla Murray, 11. Trey Lance. Uh, Jacoby Brissett, good for Jacoby. Shows up and he's already in the top 13. Uh, Desmond Ritter, Jordan Love, Taylor Heineke, Cooper Rush. We're now into the backups. Marcus Mariota, Sam Howe. Oh, where's Ed Kratz when you need him? He'll be pissed off. <laughs> Sam, Sam Sam's number one. At number 19. And James Winston, Andy Dalton, Baker Mayfield. Take that Buccaneer fans. Baker Mayfield at number 22. And, oh, by the way, the Eagles and Bucks do play this year. Uh, mm. Tyrod Taylor, Colt McCoy slash David Blau, Nick Mullins. 25, he's got to be like 50. He's got to be the 50th best quarterback in the NF, uh, NFC. Drew Locke, Nate Sudfeld. How bad, Nate? The unstoppable Nate Sudfeld. I guess he's stoppable <laughs> since he's at number 27. And Kyle Trask at 28. Oh, we got to give you credit here, uh, big guy. That that That's just fun stuff. And, yeah, we got into it last week and debated the snot out of it. Other than hearing McMullen mm -hmm. and McDonald screaming about it, you get any other feedback on it? Well, I actually had Ed on the show last week uh, for uh, for my Eye on the Enemy podcast, and we did our own snake draft, and he did have a couple of things different. He had Baker Mayfield way up higher on his list, and like you mentioned, he had Sam Howell higher on his list than, uh, <laughs> than I have on mine. But yeah, Ed and I had a good time talking about this list last week. Uh, yeah, our, our buddy Clay Harbor, by the way, did his list, mm -hmm. and I love Clay to death, And you know, but Clay is very loyal to the Eagles, to the Jags, because he played with them. Mm -hmm. and uh, uh, to Chicago, because he grew up in Chicago. He's a big Bears fan. And he had Jalen Hurts, number one, which I think we all do. And by the way, that's the story. Like, we don't even debate that. No, just move on from that. He's number one. Get, get everything yeah. else. It, it, it's amazing where we've come in 12 months with right. Jalen Hurts. There's no and, debate. And the where's best. the? how big is the gap God, between it, Hurts and number huge. two? That's the other thing. I was yep. thinking about Jody asked me when he started. By the way, Clay, sorry, he had Justin Fields number two, which I mean, come on. I mean, uh, I, you know, maybe, I like Justin maybe, a lot. I'm not putting Yeah, nobody two. likes Justin Fields more than Jody. I'm like, maybe for the ceiling, maybe down the road, maybe all yeah. that stuff. Uh, but I love Clay, but come on, buddy. Um, but, but Jody brought this up and I was like, he, he hit me because I had not seen it just on the show. And I was trying to think of who number two was. And I forgot Dak Prescott, but I think there's a group. Dak should be number two in, in my estimation. But nonetheless, they're a group that are sort of like the same. Jared Goff, I love – for the most part, I love your picks, except – and this is where, Jody, if Brock Purdy above Kirk Cousins and Kyler Murray, mm -hmm. I mean, 
what are we doing? That's what I said. What are we doing here? I mean, you're talking just what I said with Clay. I mean, that is a big projection, John. That is a big projection. Right behind him is a four-time Pro Bowl quarterback. Right behind him is a former rookie of the year. Granted, he's coming off injury. I, I know the issues that he doesn't study and this and that, but he's got a lot of talent. And if you watch San Francisco and you watch Brock Purdy win six games, all the credit in the world did a tremendous job. But Kyle was masking a lot of deficiencies. I mean, he was dressing that thing up. Mm -hmm. Those guys are big-time quarterbacks if they're right. That was my only issue with your list. Yeah, and I understand that. I, I think Brock Purdy, there certainly is not a large sample size there, certainly much smaller than, than Kirk Cousins. And I, I think one of the things I was looking at is most of what I was thinking about was projecting to, to 2023. And my thoughts on Kirk Cousins is that I, I think I think at a certain point here, he's going to be 35 this year, Kirk Cousins. I think we're going to start to see maybe the downslope for Kirk a little bit. But I couldn't put Kirk ahead of two quarterbacks who did more in the playoffs last year than he was able to do. Daniel Jones beat Kirk Cousins straight up in their in their postseason matchup. And I, I think Daniel Jones's future in 2023 is brighter than Kirk Cousins future in, in 2023. And I'm not a big Daniel Jones guy. Um, I, and I have Brock Purdy on the list ahead of Kirk Cousins because Brock Purdy won two playoff games with San Francisco last year. And I hear what you're saying. Kyle certainly did, does help him out. But he also had a 107.3 passer rating in his five regular season starts. He had a 13 to four touchdown to interception ratio in those five starts. And I think that we saw enough from Brock Purdy in his brief time with San Francisco to think like there is some talent here. I think... When I put these rankings together, I think I did so with the understanding and, and hopefully with everyone else's understanding that when you're at this point in the list, it's really close between all these different guys. But there, I, and I have no argument if you have Kyler Murray ahead of Brock Purdy or Kirk Cousins. I think Kyler Murray is an enigma. I think Kyler Murray certainly could be much higher on this list. I don't think Kyler Murray has proved nearly as much in his brief career that Brock Purdy has in the seven games, the eight games that he's played, but the seven full games that he's played so far, which is why if I'm starting a team, I don't know that I trust Kyler Murray. And I I would think at this moment, I might trust Brock Purdy a little bit more than I do Kyler Murray because I've, I've seen Purdy have a little bit more success. Maybe some of that is coaching. I don't know. But Kyler Murray hasn't won anything in the NFL so far. And there are all these question marks surrounding his, his mentality and off the field stuff. So that was my reasoning for having Purdy where he is ahead of cousins and Murray, but it's really, really close when you get down to this point in the list. All right. Quick follow-up. Cause I know Jody wants to jump in. I'll give you your time, Jody, but just one quick follow-up. Do we put too much emphasis on playoff wins for quarterbacks? And I say this because I look at that giants Vikings playoff game and it was a mini Super Bowl, certainly not the same stage. But Daniel Jones was great in that game because he was playing against one of the worst defenses I've ever seen. And the best quarterback on the field was on the other team, but everybody forgets it because the Vikings lost the game. He was like 80% completion. He was 31 of 39. He's throwing the football all over the field. The Giants go right down the field. He comes right back. The guy had seven fourth-quarter comebacks last year. The guy had came back from the largest deficit in NFL history last year. And he would have won by double digits if it wasn't 
for Jalen Rager, our old buddy, dropping <laughs> footballs and not running routes. He came back from 17 down in Buffalo against one of the – in Buffalo. Now, he had help from Justin Jefferson, no doubt about it. But, man, I mean, just on the Super Bowl, the reason I compare it to the Super Bowl is Patrick Mahomes was great, but Jalen Hurts was better on that day, and he mm. lost the game. So do we put too much emphasis on quarterbacks? They have to win that playoff game. If you're against a team who's better, you might lose the game, and it might not be your fault. No, I think that's fair. And um, I, I think Kirk Cousins did have a he did have a good year statistically last year. But I also do look at his history in big games and in the playoffs. And uh, he he rarely comes through in, in, in those in those situations. And I think we looked at Minnesota's record last year's being much better than the actual level at which they played. I and agree. I think as I'm just looking as, and a part of it is that as I'm looking ahead, I, I think I see Minnesota's offense taking a dip this year. And if I which quarterback do I want kind of moving forward? I, I think I, I don't want Kirk Cousins moving forward more than I want Purdy or Daniel Jones moving forward. But again, it's really close. But to your point, I, I think you're right. We do tend to overvalue playoff wins for, for quarterbacks. That was a part of, of my reasoning for, for having those guys ahead of Kirk Cousins. And my quite biggest question was, why do you have Brock Purdy down at number nine? John has, why do you have him <laughs> yeah, all the right. way up at number nine? Jody wants I, I'm up. sorry. Yeah. He's better than Daniel Jones. You're projecting yeah. forward to next year. If we're taking the injury out of it, that you mm -hmm. don't, we don't know when he's coming back. He may be ready right. by week one. He might not be ready till December. We don't really know. Um, off what he did last year, I got him ahead of Daniel Jones. I got him projected for his career and this upcoming season Better than Daniel Jones, I think people are woefully understating how well he actually played once he took over for the 49ers. How much of your decision-making and slotting these guys in was projection specifically for next year? I couldn't put a real percentage on it, but I think it was probably, I would say I was leaning towards making that the the strongest point and and understanding that there are players around him and where the team is headed offensive line help uh help with other skill positions you know how how likely are these guys to be successful but i think at the end of the day i was thinking to myself if i needed a a new starting quarterback on the eagles given the roster who would i want who would i take what order would i take these guys in and i i think that's the uh, that's how it kind of was laid out so it's mostly i think projection um not based on, on, on things that they had done throughout the course of their career. Although certainly that, that gives you a good sense of what might be to come history sometimes is a, is a prelude to what, what is to come in the future. And so, um, yeah, so I think it was mostly projection and mostly looking at 2023 specifically where these guys are right now, but definitely with a slight bit of projection because otherwise you don't have Justin. I wouldn't have had Justin Fields up at number three, Justin Fields didn't do, anything really throwing the football last year but he'll have more talent this year around him he'll have another year with the coaching staff and he improved as the year went on so it's a little bit of everything yeah i don't have a problem you know justin now that we beat you up i'm gonna i'm gonna prop you up john uh, i'm gonna give you the compliment sandwich <laughs> oh, i had him at six didn't i yeah six. i had him at, you six. Had him at yeah, six which i i'm fine with that he's mm -hmm. got a lot of uh a lot of potential um Jody thinks I don't like him, but I, I love him. I just, I hate the organization. I, I hate this yeah, situation. No, I, I know you like him. I, I think yeah. you are overly critical of the organization. They yeah. took a step backwards. 
I, I'll wait to see if they take steps forward this year. You're, yeah, I'm you're concerned about declining I, yeah, that possibility. I'm concerned about the situation. I think he's in a bad situation. But one, I do, I, I, and I wanted, and I was debating heavily, and I think now I've, I've shifted to where you are. Who's the second best quarterback in the NFC? And I said, after Jody reminded me, I forgot about Dak Prescott. I put Dak at number two. But I think Jared Goff is the second best quarterback in the NFC. I think he's so underrated. Um, you know, he had a lot of struggles when he first went to Detroit his last year with the Rams. But, man, he he's one of the most accurate quarterbacks he really has that, you know, if you go back to that number one overall pick, the ability to, to fit the ball in tight windows. If you put him in good situations, he's sort of the same as, as Cousins, but with a better arm talent, which is strange to say. If you put him in good situations, he's difficult to deal with. I think he might be the most underrated quarterback in football, Jared Goff. Yeah, and, and Detroit has really loaded up the offense around him. They, they've they given him so many weapons, the play calling there. He's got a brilliant play caller and offensive staff uh, in, in Detroit. And he was really good with the Rams before things fell apart. Yeah. And that Super Bowl yeah. season, he was outstanding. Uh, he was outstanding yeah. the year in 2017 when, when they when they came short came up short against the, the Eagles. And, and uh, you know, they were an ascending team at that point, but they hadn't reached uh, the Super Bowl by that point. He was, he, he was, and I think part of as Philadelphia fans, we think about Jared Goff as being quote unquote, not as good as Carson Wentz, because that was the debate for the first few years of their careers. Jared Goff taken number one, Carson Wentz taken number two. Oh, the, thank goodness the Rams picked Jared Goff. Cause we got Carson Wentz out of that deal. And for a few years there, it certainly looked like that would be the narrative that holds. Now, fast forward here to 2023, Jared Goff is the guy you want. And I think when, when you're picking between him and Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott misses more time. Um, and Derek, Dak Prescott last year, for whatever reason, was reckless with the football. I think Dak Prescott is maybe overall purely more talented, perhaps, but J it's close. And Jared Goff showed more consistency last year. I think this is the perfect offense for him. He's got he has all the tools to succeed. And I think he's got a better coaching staff around him, which is why I would have I had him at number two. And a lot of quote unquote wise guys like the Lions, a team that can jump up and be a big factor in the NFC next year. Uh, Jamison Williams didn't play till December last year. Yeah. It, it yeah. might have been late November, but uh, their first round draft pick, they knew they were basically red shirting. And if he reaches the levels that were expected of him and his draft status, that's just another weapon for the Lions this year. Yeah, their offense is going to be real good this upcoming year. All right. Uh, I'm not a Buck fan, never been a Buck fan, don't uh, want to even pretend to be a Buck fan. But I got to ask, Baker Mayfield buried 28th and last Kyle Trask on the list and you laugh in Kyle <laughs> Trask's face. How bad are the Bucks going to be without Brady this year, Mr. Stolnes? You, they could be real bad. Um, I know Baker Mayfield had a good game with the Rams last year with that with that big comeback. And but I was looking when I was putting this list together, I was I was like, I'm going to go pull up Baker Mayfield's pro football reference page. And let's take a look at these numbers. And the numbers are awful. He has he's been he's been a, a mediocre to below average quarterback his entire career. He's had some he, he's had some moments. He's had some stretches where he's played pretty well, but he's a backup. He's he is a backup in this league and 
Tampa Bay is going to be relying on him as, as their starter. Uh, now maybe there's a Geno Smith like resurgence for him where he finally figures it out here at this, at this stage in his career. But I, I think Baker Mayfield has had opportunities. He's had talent. He's had good players around him and has not been able to make the leap and, and establish himself as a viable starting quarterback in the NFL. He's a guy that if you need somebody for four or five weeks to fill in for the starting quarterback, maybe he'll win you two or three of those games. And that's kind of what you want out of your backup quarterback. Just don't kill us. But he's, he is not a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL, not for a team that wants to actually do anything. And I was really rad. I was startled by how bad his numbers were. He, he has never had an above average season throwing the football in the NFL. Yeah. He, he, um, I'm a little disappointed. He had the one good season. Uh, I don't know, second or, or third season um, where he, you know, they won 11 games, maybe something like 10, 11 games. And Cleveland had been bad for a long time. So I said, well, you know, that's impressive in Cleveland at the time yeah. uh, to make that turnaround. But they just hasn't progressed since then. And that yeah. that's disappointing. That's one thing about, you know, player. De- I always say player development is real. We've seen it with certain quarterbacks, most notably here in Philadelphia. Um and we haven't seen it. Baker's one who's gone backwards after the big season. So yeah. he has been a bit of a disappointment. Um, yeah, Tampa doesn't look good on paper. And the NFC as a whole uh, doesn't look good on paper. Because as you mentioned, John, the chasm between one and two, whoever you want to go with. And there's a group you can make a case for Dak Prescott. You can make a case for – we just made a case for Jared Goff. You can yeah. make – a case for cousins. You can make a case for Derek Carr coming yeah. over. Um, but there is a big gap. And it is amazing, as I said, where we've come in 12 months. <laughs> now, are we being too uh, uh, deferential to Jalen Hurts? Because there is, and we've talked about this amongst the B guys. Typically, it's very rare when you see a player get better, get better, get better, get better, get better, get better. And there's no hiccup along the way. Uh, we just talked about one Baker going the opposite way. Can he continue at this level? Jalen? I, I, I mean, I don't know how much better he can get than he was last year. If there's a ceiling above where he was last year, um, <laughs> then we have a very good situation on our hands. I, I think he can be <laughs> at least as good as he was last year moving forward. And I don't think we were asking this question about Carson Wentz after his first two seasons when he had a very solid, I thought if you look back at Carson Wentz's rookie season, it was pretty, it was not all that dissimilar from Jalen Hurts's rookie season. You know, Jalen Hurts got to the playoffs and really his first year starting his second season in the league. And Carson Wentz really helped the Eagles improve in Doug Peterson's first season, but they were not a playoff team. But I thought both guys were, were similarly productive, albeit in different ways. Jalen Hurts running the football more than you know, Carson Wentz as a thrower. Second year, both guys took a leap as starting quarterbacks. And both guys, really, Carson Wentz was going to get that team to the Super Bowl. Jalen Hurts got his team to the Super Bowl. Both were MVP candidates, really probably should have won, or you could make the argument that both could have won in their second year. And I, I think maybe watching Carson Wentz fall apart the injuries got to Carson Wentz. And I think that was the main catalyst for, for the reasons he <laughs> kind of fell down and, and was not as productive in 18 and 19. And certainly in 2020 after that Jalen hurts, thankfully has, has not dealt with an injury like that. 
and I think his performance in the Super Bowl to me was the was something that cemented him as a guy that to rely on moving forward to be able to play that well in the biggest stage after having two playoff games, which, you know, let's face it, we're not all world. He was fine. He was, he was good. And, and the Eagles won those games comfortably. They needed every yard of what Jalen hurts did in that super bowl in order to even stay in that game. And for him to play as well as he did in that situation shows you that the moment is never going to be too big for this guy. And so as long as he continues to work hard and prepare, which I think we all believe he will do, you see the talent there. And, and then there's that intangible that sometimes holds quarterbacks back. I don't think, I don't think that's going to be a problem for Jalen Hurts. I think he can continue to play as well as he has moving forward, which is why I don't have those questions. The Super Bowl really did it for me. John, it's been a couple of weeks since we had you on, and the Eagles have made moves, free agent signings, lottery tickets call them what you want i mm -hmm. used the phrase bargain basement earlier howie roseman has done what he's had to do to fill in some of the blanks on the team leading up to the draft they haven't spent even good money forget about big money good money <laughs> on any of the free agents that they brought in mm -hmm. anyone that jumps out at you either positively or negatively like even at the minimum i don't know why the eagles would add a player like this or Hey, they got this guy just above the minimum. I can see him starting field. I can see him playing. Which of Howie's offseason free agent acquisitions do you think is the best bet or the worst bet? Well, I think the best bet is is Rashad Penny um, because I think we've seen he, we've seen he has the ability to be a a really effective running back. And of course, the question is health with this guy. Can he can he stay on the field? Um, the way the Eagles will want to use him, I think, will limit his exposure to, to injury. I mean, he's not going to get 25 carries a game. He's not going to be the, the workhorse running back. And I think we saw Kenny Gainwell come on last year. So I think they're going to rely on those two guys. And I, I wouldn't rule out them. You know, I think Howie Roseman in the draft is, is, is going to move around quite a bit and get some extra picks. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if we see them adding a second or third round running back in this draft if they're able to uh, get some additional picks in the fourth, fifth, sixth rounds or whatever. Um, so I like the Rashad Penny pick. I, I think that is a that has the potential to be a very impactful signing for for not a lot of money uh, this offseason. Uh, I, I think I think some of the other guys, uh, I like the idea of going after guys who were drafted high, showed a lot of promise. And really, the main reason for their stumbles have been some injury issues to bank on those guys that if they're healthy, they can match a certain level of play, I, I think is I think is a smart way to build a team when you have to consider cap possibilities and so you know I, I i like the idea of going after for nicholas morrow I, I i think is he as good as tj edwards i would rather have tj edwards than morrow but i i think you can see a scenario where he gives you some some solid production at, at that linebacker spot i think terrell Ed edmonds could be um a, a guy who again you've you've seen can can play a little bit in this in this new scheme with sean desai we don't know how he's going to use some of these guys but can he be a guy um, that uh, that is able to kind of get over his injury issues and 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 step up and greedy Williams I like as a as a fourth cornerback kind of guy a guy who can jump in in case uh, uh, Darius Slay or James Bradbury uh, gets hurt I think I think he's he again has the I, the thing is you're not relying on these guys to be superstars and you hopefully have enough stars at some of these other spots that you can fill in with some draft picks coming up in the next month and there will be guys who shake out. There will be more guys who get released, who become available, that I don't think Howie Roseman has done adding impactful guys. 
and and those guys you'll be able to get on the cheap as well. So I think right now these are kind of just giving you some stability in terms of your depth chart and with an eye with keeping an eye open for for potential upgrades as they come out. These guys that he's added, not all of them are going to make the the opening week roster, I don't think. Some of these guys will get cut in training camp. They're they're here for a moment. But to answer your question, I think Penny is probably the best bet. At John Stolness on Twitter. Follow John there. You can read him at bleedinggreennation.com. I'm sure you're going to watch some baseball 24 hours late uh, today. Uh, at some point, the good fight. Uh, listen to his podcast. Um, and you had Ed Kratz on uh, yeah. your football co- podcast, Eye on the Enemy, our buddy Ed Kratz. So make sure you listen to John on all those platforms. I will end it here. We'll end it with the draft and impactful players because the Eagles have a chance to add an impactful player mm-hmm. at number 10 overall. Um, if for some strange reason, um, Jalen Carter uh, falls and the Eagles have cleared him from a due diligence perspective of many off the field issues. Mm-hmm. Do you even think about anybody else? Is there anybody else in the conversation for you at number 10 overall in that scenario? I don't think so. I mean, I think we still see that that's a, a big need for this team because I, I don't think Jordan Davis is going to be a, a pass rushing uh, house wrecker like Jalen Carter would be. Uh, I think you're hoping that Jordan Davis can develop that part of his game, but you're really looking for him to be uh, a run stuffer for you and to create havoc for his teammates on, on the offensive line and to create double teams. And so I, I think pairing him with Jordan Davis would, would be monstrous and would certainly cushion the blow of losing Javon Hargrave. We know with this team defense, the working on the lines is everything for Howie Roseman. So um, whether it's getting an edge rusher at number 10 or it, Jalen Carter. I think if Jalen Carter's there, and like you said, they've done their due diligence on his on his off the field stuff. I, I think they absolutely should go after him. I, I think you know adding somebody if they're available, like a Christian Gonzalez at cornerback, makes a lot of sense because of the age of Darius Slay and James Bradbury. He might not play a whole lot here in 2023. Um, if you have an edge rusher, you know if if Jalen Carter's gone and you're you're going to stay at number ten. I could certainly see an edge rusher. I think the argument that has made a lot more sense for me over these last few weeks is, is uh, upgrading on the offensive line at, at number 10. And I, I think one of the reasons to, to do that is I, it doesn't sound as though they're ready to just ham, hand Cam Jurgens the starting right guard job. Um, so it looks as though there's a possibility they, they could draft a guy here at number 10, put him in at right guard, and just continue to groom Cam Jurgens as uh, the eventual Jason Kelsey replacement. It's also with the idea in mind that at some point you're going to need to move on from Lane Johnson. You're going to need to move on from, you know, from some of the other guys they have on the offensive line as they're as they're getting older. Although I know Lane just signed the extension. So um, this team never drafts with the current year in mind. And so it makes it really hard to figure out exactly where Howie Roseman is 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 going to go. And it's also why I think he's going to trade out of 10 and probably trade out. of. Th- I think I think he's going to make a lot of moves on draft night. Um, because I think he wants to add more or more picks in the middle of the draft. So unless Jalen Carter is sitting there at 10, if he falls, I think they take him. I think if he gets to nine, they might even move up to, to go get him uh, to fill that spot. I would not mind that at all. Um, I did not hear Bijan and all that. No, I mean, he, no interest in Bijan whatsoever. I, that I actually, high in the draft. I, I, I think Bijan is a good enough running back that I, I would, 
I would trade down to get Bijan if if I could. Like if move if I'm moving down to 12 or 13 or something like that, and he's still there, I would I would take him in that spot. Like if you can see how the board lays out and you, you can tell like you're gonna have a shot if you move down. I would have no problem taking Bijan there because you are in a Super Bowl window right now. And you can probably fill out your 2023 defensive holes with some remaining free agents as the as the offseason goes along. And getting Bijan Robinson makes your gives you one more weapon for that offense that this is an offensive league and it makes you even more unstoppable. I, I would do that and I wouldn't think twice about it because I think he is that special. I just don't think that's where the Eagles are going to go. John Stone is going out on a limb projecting that Howie Roseman will be active trading moving up and down. Where, where did you come up with that? The fact that the Eagles had three first-round draft picks last year and picked <laughs> none of them in that position? <laughs> that Howie moved every single one of those picks before the actual Yeah, we all agree with you on that one. All right, uh, last one for me. Could be draft-related, might be free agent-related. When the season starts next year, wide receiver three, mm-hmm. if we assume Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown is one, Devontae Smith is two, Wide receiver three for the Philadelphia Eagles will be who? You can give me just an added wide receiver, the present wide receiver, or a drafted wide receiver. If you want to give me a name, I'll take it. But mm. I won't I won't make you be that finite. But yeah. who will be wide receiver three, either positionally or group-wise, for the Eagles when the season starts? I think it'll be Quez, and I'm not excited about that prospect. Um, I think if they draft somebody in in the second or third round to at wide receiver, I don't think they automatically anoint him the number three. Um, I think that I think they looked at Quez's year, and they're not blind. They see that Quez had a down year. They they see that he didn't per- perform as well. Quez, by the way, Quez been. admitted it. Yeah, yeah that, people yeah. get upset when we say that. Quez admitted it. He said yeah. it himself. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and and maybe there's not a lot more there. Maybe this just is the player that that he is. Um, certainly, I don't want to give him a a high volume of of targets, but I I think there were opportunities to add a third wide receiver this this offseason if they if they wanted one. Again, we'll see what what players shake out over the course of the summer, which guys get cut. But I, I think the most realistic expectation would be. Quez Watkins comes back as your number three. When you consider that he really is probably like the the fourth option in this offense, I think you should upgrade there if you can. But I don't really see. I, I don't think it's high on their priority list. Well, I think it should be, but that's just me. Yeah. Uh, always high on our priority list is get John Stone to sign when we can. We do really appreciate your quarterback list because Johnny and I had fun with it last week. <laughs> I had a very good time talking about you with us today. Uh, we'll certainly get you on before the draft takes place. John, mm-hmm. thank you much for hopping in with us today. Anytime, guys. Thanks. Thanks, John. Stolness from Bleeding Green Nation and the Eye on the Enemy podcast. Oh, he's scraping the bottom of the barrel. He's got Kratz on as a guest. What <laughs> Just kidding, Ed. We love Ed Kratz, too. All right, McMullen and McDonald hanging with you. Coming up uh, in hour number two, we got Andrew DiCecco from Inside the Birds, who's going to jump in with us. So a uh, lot yet to do here on Birds 365.
Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Champions on three. One, two, three. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Mac and Mac guys here on Bird 365. Thank John Stoners for coming on. John's always good. When he jumps in with us, uh, Andrew Ducheco from InsideTheBirds.com going to join us in just over 20 minutes from now. All right. Uh, the last question I asked John, and I want to uh, further the discussion with you, J-Mac, is wide receiver three. Um, yeah, I was pretty damn disappointed by the season Quez Watkins had. I'm sorry. He did not play well. And as you correctly noted, Quez admits he didn't play real well. And we know what the role is. We knew what it was coming into the season. He got the targets that he got next year. It's not going to be anymore. If Devontae Smith and um, uh, A.J. Brown both stay healthy, it, it the role is what the role is. Now, the Eagles play a lot of three wide receiver sets, so it isn't like you never get on the field. You're on the field a lot, but uh, Jalen Hurts is going to throw it to A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith much more than he's going to throw it to you. So uh, even in a reduced role from what Quez played the year previous, I just think he didn't make enough plays. When the ball did come his way, he didn't uh, make those plays. So I think it's an under-the-radar radar need for the Eagles, and we'll see if they address it in the draft. As of right now, uh, the Eagles don't even have seven draft picks. That's what everybody usually starts each draft with is seven picks. Eagles only have six. They got two in the first, which is great. Two in the seventh, which is almost tossaways. 
so Howie Roseman's got uh, work to do if he wants to balance out his draft, which could include the drafting of a wide receiver. But I don't think it's going to be high. I don't think there's any way they use uh, any of the three uh, three early pick first, two first, or second. I don't even think they take a wide receiver in the third round. Um, there have been – I just added them up, John – 34 wide receivers who have signed as a free agent this offseason. How many out of those 34 do you think got multi-year deals? Sixteen. Less. Yeah, not many. Um, Nine. Ooh. Out of 36 wide receivers. Only nine got multi-year deals, one of which was Zach Pascal, who got a two-year That's deal. amazing. That's amazing. He um, is, if you judge by multi-year deals, he's one of the nine best wide receivers, at least as per the way the NFL rates them, as shown by the contracts that they were given. He's one of the nine best wide receivers that changed teams this year. Yeah, it was uh, – well, I, I – I don't think that's a good definition, but uh, it's amazing. He got two years. Um, and that's probably the reason he's not back. I said that at the time. I, that was a big surprise. Um, and maybe that's why they went to two years, because they wanted the player and they needed to to get him. Otherwise, he probably would have came back to Philadelphia where he's comfortable with Nick. Um, so maybe that explains it. Um yeah, it wasn't a good wide receiver free agency class. That's the problem. It's not a good uh, wide receiver draft either. It's been historic, the run of wide receiver drafts. And it's kind of, at least from the what scouts tell you, it's a little bit down this year. But you got to be able to find – So I, 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 I'm looking it up now, Jody. PFF had Quez at 108 of 113. Um, can, can it get any worse than that? Well, I, I guess, and, I, and I'll say 109, this. but you get my drift when I say that. Yeah, and I'll say this. the five, There were five receivers behind him, and none of them, as you might expect, played as much as, as Quez Watkins, who played 787 snaps. Um, none of those guys were on the field because they didn't perform. Um, uh, as much as 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 Quez Watkins, and you got to go all, all the way up to ninety seven to find one who played as played much less. as Quez <laughs> played, and that's Noah Brown. Um, so yeah, I mean he's got to get better now. If you're the Eagles, the year before he was you know solid, he was sixty two of one fifteen or mediocre. You can live with that. So I guess, you know, that's your hope. He has a bit of a bounce back. Um, but, yeah, he's got to be better than he was last season, to say the least. And, right. and, 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 I mean, I think I said it yesterday as well. Forget about a major injury. If, if you're without A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith for a week or two because of a sprained ankle, you really want him being your wide receiver too? I remember last year before the Eagles got AJ, I would get, get people. He was one of those guys. I talk about it more with the cornerbacks with Tay, uh, Tay Gowan and Kerry Vincent and Mac McCain. 
the Eagles would talk up Quez. Oh, we're comfortable with Quez being the number two receiver. And you and I are like, you're – and people would kill us. And, well, yeah, Quez yeah. can be the guy. Go, he can go be- sell that somewhere else. Yeah, uh, yeah. Eagles. I, I never got that apology. I never get apologies, Jody. Yeah, no, but no, they no, got to no, get better. We, we know they got, he's not a wide receiver three, never mind a wide receiver two. And he's got to get better. Uh, well, I think the Eagles have to get better. And uh, again, looking at the wide receivers who have signed this offseason, and I'm not getting on the Eagles' case that they missed out on this opportunity. There just hasn't been that perfect guy to fit in yet. Uh, again, using a line of demarcation as like $2 million. I give the Eagles credit because the Eagles have filled some holes, given themselves some bodies, maybe Jags, maybe Jags plus guys, and haven't paid anybody $2 million bucks, which is pretty damn good. So if you use the $2 million number as the mark of demarcation, uh, guys who got over $2 million during this offseason, Mac Collins, who I would have thought about. I don't know about $2.5 million, but he did get two point five to go to Atlanta this year. Um, didn't you just mention Noah Brown? Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. got $2.6 million to go to Houston. Don't agree with that one. Another well, he wasn't. He got re-signed. He was in Houston um, last year, um, even though they say Dallas. I believe he was in Houston. No, you're no, right. No, he was on the Cowboys. Went to yeah, Houston. you're right. Yeah, it was um, 97th last year. You're right. A guy I kind of like, but I think they overpaid him, uh, Braxton Barrios. He's a good return guy, and he's a good short yardage, third and three, throwing the ball and catch it and fall down wide receiver. <laughs> uh, the Dolphins gave him over $3 million bucks. That That surprised me. I well, this is it. a bad group. I just pulled it up. My God. This is a bad group, Jody. Alan Lazard, your team, and obviously they brought him in for the reason we all know. He got the most money. Yeah. That that is bad. That is a bad group. But Thielen is old. So that's why he wasn't uh at the top of the list. He's he's a good player, but I mean he's gonna be 33 at, at wide receiver, and he's still got a decent deal. Rob Robert Woods is still a good player, too. He got a decent deal. The Eagles had a lot of interest in him last year. Um Jacoby Myers would be second. Juju, uh, who Philadelphia fans love, you know, he's good. He's limited, though. I mean, I. You think uh, Jacoby Myers better than Juju Smith Schuster? I think he's got more upside. I'll say that. I think he's got more talent. I'll say that. You know, you know who's got, I think, the best value signing of all uh, is DJ Chark. They the Carolina got him one year for five million. I think that's worthy. Um, and then you know McCall Hardman, I think would have been interesting because, but that's for me personally. But I don't know if the Eagles can use a manufactured touch player. I don't know if they can. I'd love to see them try though. I'd love to see it. I'd love oh, to see if they be, got a player. Can't, like be that. careful, Johnny Mac. You know what uh, manufactured touches are. Wide receiver screens, your favorite play. No, no, I'm not sure you want the Eagles to come up with manufactured touch plays and you have to watch them all year. I I hate bubble screens, yes, but that's 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 as manufactured a touch as you're gonna get. That's only one part of it. You got jet motion, you got orbit motion, you got reverses, you got 
yes, that's part of it. You got inside handoffs. That's part of it. The bubble screen is part of it. It's a very unaesthetic play, unless, as we point out, it hits. And I'm not saying Nicole Hardman is Debo Samuel or anybody right. like that, but what I'm saying is, you know, the Eagles have never had that. They they thought they were going to get it with Jalen Ranger, as as funny as that sounds. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if the Eagles can even use it. Um, but when you have a player like that, it creates all kinds of headaches. And it's not just bubble screens. It's everything else. And even if you're using them as a decoy, it opens up things. If you're using a jet sweep as a as a decoy, but the Eagles don't use motion, so I, I mean, I don't know if they'd even utilize a player like that. And Jalen Rager was drafted before this current coaching staff was here, so uh, I guess the previous staff saw a way to get the most out of Jalen Rager. Uh, this team didn't. That's why Jalen Rager is no longer here. And they haven't. You're right. They haven't really added a guy with those type of traits since, which tells you they don't think of that as a, a big part of an NFL offense these days. I'm good with it. If you got the right guy and you've got the right scheme and you've got uh, this is where Jack Pascal would have been good. That's one of the reasons why I'm not fretting the loss of Zach Pascal, despite the fact that the coach loved singing his praises. That's where you really need a blocking wide receiver is on a manufactured touch that you're going to be trying to get a guy in space and you need more blocking on the edges. Uh, that's where I could see an added and even more added value to a guy like Zach Pasco, but that's another uh, under the bridge thing because he's no longer here. Um, well, we got the list. Uh, we've gone to him before. You like the kid from Atlanta. I like uh, Jarvis Landry. We've got two plus weeks before the draft takes place. Are the Eagles going to add a wide receiver, another lottery uh, ticket for Howie Roseman at wide receiver three? Because I think, A, they need to upgrade from their current wide receiver three, and they still need to replace Zach Pascal just in their depth chart. If they're going to go down that road of a blocking wide receiver, so be it then. Do you think they're going to get somebody done before the draft rolls around, Johnny Mack? Yes, I think they'll bring somebody in. I I don't know. Like I said, with Olamide Zacchaeus, um, I don't know what the hell's going on with him. Uh, you know, I I went to uh, SpotRack does sort of market valuations of, of the higher profile free agents um, where they try to predict the contracts. And there's only three receivers left that they have market values on that they tried, that they deemed were good enough to put a market value on. And one of them was obvious in OBJ. Um, uh, one of them was T.Y. Hilton, who's pretty obvious because of his history. Um, and the other is Olamide Zacchaeus. I mean, why he's not signed at his age, he's 25 yeah, years he's old. Right. Yeah. I can't figure it out. That that to me is sort of winning in the margins if they could figure. Now maybe there's something going on that I don't know about. Um, and by the way, they they estimated um, three point seven million. So 
you know, maybe he's just too expensive. Yeah, you don't you don't think Harry Roseman's going no. that for a wide receiver three. But you know, the more he hangs out there, um yeah, there's not many three point seven million dollar contracts coming out now. Um maybe maybe he can find one. But you know, if you look at all these lottery tickets, you know, you bring up Jarvis Landry. Well, that's not the theme. The theme is 25, 26, 27, coming off that first contract. And how many players are left at that age? Uh, Zacchaeus is one. I'm looking at the list. They're not many. You know, Richie James, he made some plays with the Giants. He's still out there. Dante Pettis is still out there. Uh, it's not an exciting list. Jalen Guyton. I don't know much about him. Miles Boykin from Pittsburgh. He's a big guy. I don't think I think they need more of a slot receiver. Um, slim Pickens, man. Oh, BC Johnson showed some things, but he he missed two seasons with torn it. Maybe he's a guy. He missed back to back seasons with torn ACLs. You know they've been signing these guys who've had injury issues. And he showed some talent a couple seasons ago. Maybe he's a guy to keep an eye on. He's only 26, it says, 26. I hear the um, point you're making about uh, of those lottery tickets that the Eagles have bought, uh, most of them were on the younger side, certainly on the underside of 30, if not on the younger side of 28, which it, it's, it's debatable. Would you rather have somebody who's proven – Maybe they're a little bit more expensive because they believe they're proven and have registered six, seven years in the league, but have already put together a career and, and they are where they are. Or a guy like, uh, 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 which of the group should I pick? Probably Edmonds. Um has had a career, but as well, he's actually on his third contract. So I guess you would consider him the veteran of the group. A greedy Williams, who uh, is still very young in his career, or maybe the Eagles make a mistake that that's they they they've molded themselves into this type of play. If we're gonna pay, try and find the diamond in the rough to hit the lottery ticket, then it's got to be someone young. Maybe they should be looking at someone who has a little bit of experience who, God forbid, is 29, not 26, but has actually done something in their NFL career, is Howie Roseman potentially playing his cards wrong here? Well, I, I will say this. You know, I think we're at this stage. We have these stages with Howie. And I, I always tell you, I about when I called him a top five GM on this show, I got so much hate for that uh, before he turned things around. Uh, and now everybody defers to him and everything's perfect. And I mean, to assume that these guys are going to do anything is a big assumption. It really is. I mean, now from his perspective, it's not everybody. It's just one or two um, that hopefully turns into valuable players. So I don't think you can look at any of these players. I think the assumption is, oh, Howie got a steal because Howie always gets a steal. Well, that wasn't always your assumption. I'm not talking to you, Jody, but that right. wasn't no, always everybody's assumption. Um, so it's always a little bit in the middle, no doubt about it. Uh, just because he signed somebody, that's not going to be the right decision. I, I think he's, and I've said it in the past when he started, 
specifically with um, Penny and Williams and Evans, you know, I think they're put, there's a little bit too much hubris on the ability to manage players injury wise. And, you know, that's where I bring up BC Johnson. Maybe he's the guy because they think they can get him going in the right direction. Um, you know, I think there's a little hubris there. Terrell Edmonds, you know, he's only 26 years old. He's played five years. He's on his third. Let's like pendant hooker we talk about. I mean, because of COVID, you have these weird now old rookies. You didn't yep. have that pre-COVID. So he's only 26 years old. Um, but I don't get the fit, you know. that Sh Sean Desai, Big Banjo, Jonathan Gannon, they play what they play. And if, think about Chicago, Eddie Jackson. Think about Denver, Justin Simmons. Think about Philadelphia last year, C.J. Gardner-Johnson. These are all playmaking coverage safeties. Terrell Edmonds is a box safety. I don't get the fit. So there's questions to be asked, no doubt about it. You shouldn't just defer to Howie and say, oh, Howie knows. I mean, there are questions with each of these signings. And Edmonds is the exception, not the rule. Not not fit, because you and I both, as soon as we heard the name that they were signed, both of our eyes, eyebrows got raised because he just didn't seem to fit. If if we're talking about Gannon's defense last year and what he wanted and expected from his safeties, there's no box safety, there's no strong safety, there's left and there's right. And he expected his safeties to be interchangeable. Uh, and Edmonds doesn't seem to be that type of guy, or he wasn't in Pittsburgh during his years there. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that 26 is 26, which is real nice. You're still very much in your NFL prime. Five years of starting is a lot of wear on the tires. I think there's two things you got to keep your eye on. Number one is the age on the birth certificate. Number two is how many snaps has he played? And a box safety, a guy who's going to come up and make tackles and uh, be a hell of a lot closer to the line of scrimmage and maybe even take a shot from an offensive lineman every once in a while is also going to get older faster. There's exceptions to every rule, but you get my drift. Edmonds has already been through some wars, and I'm okay with that. If you got a guy who can really play, even though you know that his shelf life is only going to be X and it's going to be shorter than somebody else, yeah, but benefit from that immediacy that he can step in and play. I'm all right with that. I, I think the Eagles could still do a little bit of that. Edmonds is that tweener. who's The, the birth certificate says still real young, got a lot to do. The actual mileage on the uh, odometer says, you know, he's already been down this road a couple different times. Uh, so he'll be an interesting guy to keep an eye on this year. All right. We are Mac and Mac, McDonald and uh, McMullen here on Birds 365. We see we've got Andrew DeCecco in our green room. He's ready to talk Eagles from inside the birds.com. He joins us next year on Birds 365.
Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Got John McMullen and Jody McDonald, aka Mac and Mac, here on Birds 365. We're lucky enough to get Andrew Ducheco from InsideTheBirds.com, one of their uh, columnists and reporters, to jump in with us today. Andrew, uh, we still have almost three weeks to go in the draft before the draft hits. What the hell are we going to talk about for three weeks until we actually get to the draft? It's it's going to be that little slim pickings time of the year where all we do is mock our lives away. It's kind of like that gray area with June and up until training camp. But I mean, we're going to be, you know, looking at dissecting the Contavious Street signing and and Terrell. Yeah, Edwards, you know, Contavious. Like, By the way, Contavious Street, really impressive guy. Uh, yeah, it really how about is. That? How yeah. about that? I, he, I thought that he said some really interesting things in his presser. You were there, John, and you or you got to ask him some of those questions. But really interesting guy. I'm not suggesting that he has some of the same intangibles as a Javon Hargrave, but the Eagles really do need a, a, he's pocket, a, pet. Yeah, he's a, a solid pocket, pet. A pocket pusher. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, last season he played a career high in, in snap share, 46%. So that tends to suggest that maybe he has turned the corner from his extensive injury history. So could be a high upside signing or at least a moderately intriguing upside signing. Yeah, it's it's funny. Jody says, "What are we? Got? There's always something." Slays out there on Twitter this morning, uh, going back and forth with Tyree Kill. Uh, evidently, Jamal Dean, who's the Tampa Bay quarterback, put out if each 
of the 32 teams used their fastest uh, defensive back, linebacker, running back, and wide receiver, who's got the best four by 100 team? Oh, they did and, that on Good Morning Football this morning. Oh, uh, did they? That's where he got the idea from. Oh, that's probably where he got it from. So I went back and said the Eagles would win, of course. And, and then Ty Hill came in and said, Slay, sit this one out, bro. I'm not going to say much because Eagles fans are already delusional. And I can tell you from being in Miami, Tyreek Hill, uh, Darius Slay cannot keep up with Tyreek Hill. Not even close. But um, the Eagles have a ringer. And that ringer is Devin Allen. Absolutely. I don't think anybody knows. Ooh, I had forgotten about <laughs> Devin Allen. Absolutely. Who, who, would yeah. you, who would be on your four by one if you're picking the, the Eagles? Because I think it was one defensive back, one linebacker, right? One, one receiver. That's one it. Running back. Linebacker, boy, I guess it would have to be Sean Bradley. Da- Davion. I would say Davion Taylor. Oh, Davion. I forgot about Davion. Yeah, you're right. Davion, linebacker, uh, defensive back. Probably greedy now, right? Yeah, I would think so. I, I certainly wouldn't put Slay in that conversation. Well, well Slay, Slay will tell put you Slay in that conversation. The, That's exactly, exactly. Yeah, Slay ran like a four. Slay ran really well coming out. He still says he runs that way, but a four know. three he ran coming out. I don't yeah. think I don't think he's running a That's four three. That's not happening either. anymore. Yeah. Well, nobody can keep up with Tyreek. Devin Allen can, but nobody nobody on the football. Field can keep up with Tyreek Hill. No. Um, what were the other positions? Wide receiver, run, who's, running back. Quez, Quez is obviously the wide receiver. Um, Quez can run. Well, Devin Allen, right? You could if, if you're taking anybody. Right, on, if you got oh, yeah, Devin Allen, he's got to be your Devin, wide receiver. Ringer. I don't consider him, but he's a ringer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's the guy you bring in just to win the race. Christian, Christian Ellis coach. would be an interesting player too. He ran a four-five-seven at his pro day. Um, but what about running back? That's where it's a little, little tricky because uh, I, I mean, numbers would tell you that Boston Scott, he ran a four, four, but you look at him straight line speed. I certainly wouldn't, wouldn't Did pick Boston, Boston Scott, Scott run a four, four. I believe he ran a four, wow. four coming, coming out, wow. but he just certainly doesn't play to that speed. No, yeah. I, I don't know. Sometimes I think some of those stopwatches are all Penn state uh, created. <laughs> That Penn State is famous for fudging their numbers a little bit. I was at their pro day last year, and looking at those numbers, I said, wait, this can't be right. Everybody just beat a world record. <laughs> that's, that's not possible. <laughs> and and me and my friend Mike K were like, this can't be right. And, you know, we, sure enough, the numbers were completely off, and they had to redo them. So. Now, every once in a while, you say, you, you look at Micah Parsons, and you say, that can't be right, but it is right. Every right. once in a while, they got somebody who who is that athletic. But – I digress. I thought that was just fun. Tyree Kill and Darius Slay going back and forth. Um, we'll, we'll stick with the draft, Andrew, and the fact that, um, you know, there's been a lot of Jalen Carter talk this week because uh, Drew Rosenhaus basically cut off his visits um, outside the top 10, saying, all right, if you're in the top 10, he'll come visit. If you're not, he won't. And Daniel Jeremiah then sort of put that two and two together and said the Eagles probably have given Drew the wink, wink, hey, if he's there, we're going to take him at 10. You buying that? Absolutely, I am. Knowing the Eagles and how they prioritize the trenches, knowing that he is the best player in this draft, at least in my opinion, he could be the face of your defense, John, for the next, you know, whatever, 10 years. And the Eagles really do need – 
more young building blocks on defense to complement Josh Sweat. So I think that even if he's within striking distance at seven or eight, I could see the Eagles possibly being aggressive to go up there and secure him because just, to, I mean, obviously you're going to want Dom to do his due diligence and, and the Eagles to make sure that everything's all right on his end, because obviously high character is a, is a big concern, you know, character is a, something that they don't take lightly. So you want to make sure everything checks out there, but if he's within striking distance, I think the Eagles would, would definitely be aggressive and grab him. Right. And here's the reason it makes sense to me. And John said earlier, it could be the Eagles easiest pick that the Eagles have ever made. If he is there at 10, you can't get the card in fast enough to say, we're going to take maybe the most talented player in the draft at number 10. That just doesn't happen. But this is all under the assumption that the Eagles have done their investigation and they think it was just one bad night and he's not the troublemaker that some people, and oh, by the way, a whole bunch of teams are going to have disagreed with you who passed on him between wherever you put the quarterbacks and getting down to 10. But if the Eagles say we're good with him, well, then yeah, it's easy. They're going to take him at 10. So why wouldn't they tell his agent? Listen, we did our, our due diligence. We did our research. We're within three weeks of the draft. And unless he goes out and gets himself in trouble over the next two weeks, he will will take him if he gets down to 10. Uh, if, if that helps them in their relationship with that particular agent, it only makes sense for them to do something like that, does it not? Absolutely. And to take that a little bit further, Jody, the Eagles have the right strategic – they have the coaching staff and the leaders in place, I think, to sort of uh, mitigate any sort of potential you know, concern that teams may have. I think that the Eagles are one of those teams you would feel comfortable with if he lands there because they have, they have the right structure in place to make sure that he's going to get off on the right foot. And, uh, and so, so to me, that would make, I, I agree with you. I think that would make a lot of sense. And I, and I think it would be a no brainer for the Eagles. I don't think they can get that card in fast enough. Now, from my perspective, Andrew, you know, uh, everybody else is doing their due diligence. And if everybody else comes to the same conclusion as the Eagles and say, this kid is worth, um, you know, we're not going to red flag him. He's worth keeping on the board. I don't think there's any way he lasts till number 10. No. Um, so it's kind of a catch 22, right? If there's some issues, he might, if there's no issues, no way does that complicate things. So do you start, if there's some issues and say, all right, well, Peter Skaronsky or Nolan Smith or um, whomever is, is more rock solid. We'll, we'll turn in that direction. I think it's a multi-layered conversation, John, because there are certain wrenches that can get thrown in that pushes talent down the board. I think there could be a run on quarterbacks. I think a team might be enamored with an Anthony Richardson with his intangibles. Even a Will Levis, I think, could end up, you know, you know how teams are and how they view quarterbacks in the draft, uh, possibly even the offensive tackles like a Paris Johnson from Ohio State or a Broderick Jones, maybe one of the corners. All of a sudden, you start to see that talent slide down and even if he is like i said seven or eight you could see the eagles be like okay well we have a chance to add the premier player in this draft a blue chip prospect let's go and do it is he good enough where you package 10 and 30 to go up a few spots i think i think he is john and and i think that maybe they might not even have to package 30 especially if we're talking about possibly moving up maybe two spots uh, i think that probably possibly their second round obviously their second round pick pick 62 but I think he is, to answer your question, he is good enough to do that. And knowing how the Eagles prioritize the, the defensive line, I don't, I don't know that they would hesitate on that to add a, a player that in most drafts would be the top overall player. 
Offensive uh, defensive line is uh, going to be, I think, a high, high potential. If we're talking about percentages of who the Eagles going to take, uh, certainly, uh, the, the if uh, he should fall to him at number ten, they'll go uh, deep, deep tackle. But if not, it's going to be an edge guy. Uh, John kind of likes the kid from Pittsburgh. I, I do too, but I just don't think he merits being a top 10 pick in the draft. Give us your rankings of the edge guys specifically for the Eagles, assuming all of them are there, which we know they won't be at least one, if not two, if not three of them are gone before we ever get to 10. But uh, hypothetical, all of them are available at uh, number 10. What order do you think the Eagles will have them prioritized in? Will Anderson, but Will Anderson, I believe, will go top five. Tyree Wilson's a player who I really like. Then it becomes interesting because you have someone like a Nolan Smith who is undersized but tremendously athletic, twitchy player that I think would really complement what the Eagles already have there, Jody. Then you have Lucas Van Ness from Iowa. Let me hold on. Just let me let me interrupt you there. Would complement what the Eagles have. But as far I, as athletic, I, like a I, Josh I disagree. Sweat. I think it will reproduce what the Eagles have. That's why I don't like him, because I think he is a carbon copy of Hassan Reddick. Can you really get away with playing two pretty undersized guys on the defensive line, even if they're great pass rushers? I think because of their athleticism and the mismatches that they provide, they, they're a big play waiting to happen. And, you know, it's a little bit less, uh, you know, it's a, bit, a little bit less safe, if that makes sense. You're, you're taking a player that can really take over a game if he's able to get around that edge. And there's not, there hasn't been a lot of tackles, obviously, that can really handle his athleticism. So I think that um, when you look at the big play potential from someone like that, that's what you want. When you're taking somebody at 10, you want somebody that can really be a game changer. And I think that he could be that. Um, the Eagles have shown interest in Lucas Van Ness, the defensive end from Iowa. I think that taking him at 10, honestly, would be a reach. So you could possibly see them trade back for somebody like that. This is a player who's never started at the collegiate level. Uh, that's not the way that Iowa does things. They had two fifth-year defensive ends that started in front of them. Van Ness played a lot of snaps. Really explosive, twitchy player. I think that he would be – you could probably get him at anywhere from 15, 17, 18 um, there. And then there's there's different players down the board that I like. Uh, Will McDonald would be an ideal pick at 30 if the Eagles were to, to stand pat there. So it, it all depends on what they're looking for and, and with the intangibles that they're looking to add to that defensive line. But there's going to be some options there. Yeah, Van Ness, Andrew, is an interesting player because I always say edge rusher more than any other position, there's always a surprise. Not now There's, you know, guys fall in love. You, Cleveland Farrell with Mike Mayock always bring yeah. up. Um, you know, Marcus Davenport the Saints traded a future first to go up and get Marcus Davenport. There's always a player. To me, Van Ness, you mentioned, he wasn't even a starter in college, and everybody's like, NFL people like him more than people outside looking in. Um, he's the guy who I would not be shocked at all if he's a top 10 pick. Wow, top ten. Well, yeah. I, I could see, I could see the logic behind that, John. And, I, and would you be surprised if he was an Eagles target? Because I, I think no, that he no, I wouldn't be. Now he he clearly would be behind Anderson and and Wilson and Wilson. But I think those guys are going uh, before the Eagles. Now, yeah. you start doing the math. I I think three quarterbacks are going. I I still think Will Levis might fall a little bit. Um, and I think that could be something that's a, a big draft night story. 
So if three quarterbacks are off the board, two edge rushers, an maybe offensive, a corner. at least one offensive lineman, maybe one corner, all of a sudden the math starts falling in the Eagles' favor. But, you know, if Carter's in that picture as well, you should be able to get a really good player at number 10. I don't think I don't think they should trade out of 10. They're going to get a really good player. And yeah, yeah. usually when you're a good team, you're not in a position to get a really good player. So I've asked this a, a lot of guys, and I respect your knowledge of the draft, and I'll ask you, how many really blue chip players are in this draft? I would always say – I would always blue chip is a player is a term that I don't take lightly. So I would probably yeah. say maybe always three. Yeah. Because, you know, it's yeah, it's that, really I, the most I've heard is like six to eight. That, that, that and and most are you. Most take the under. Yeah, um, I would say maybe three, four at max, in my opinion. That's the uh, blue blue chip is uh like I said, it's a term that I don't I don't like to throw around casually. And are any quarterbacks? In my opinion, no, I don't. I don't think yeah. any of them are quarterbacks. I think that obviously the the position is going to dictate where they get drafted ultimately. But I don't see any of those players as immediate difference makers. Someone that's going to really elevate an offense is certainly not from day one. So even uh, doing your math, even if you lock it at three and four quarterbacks go in the top ten, then all of a sudden you're getting closer and closer to getting one of those blue chip players. You're not going to be in a position to get them. But if it's six, you're in a position to get one, especially if the quarterbacks go. So that's – I don't know if I want to trade out of that spot. I probably – I mean, I probably wouldn't. But knowing how the Eagles are, if one of those guys that they really covet isn't there, you could see them maybe trading down and grabbing us Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern. But uh, I, I think that – I agree with you, John. I think it makes sense. When are the Eagles ideally ever going to be uh, yeah. in this position again to add – a blue chip type of talent, which I think that if the ball, if the board falls the way that I envision it falling, they could be able to grab one of those guys, which is is incredible uh, to think about. If you got none of the quarterbacks as blue chip guys and you say you got three, I'm assuming Carter Anderson, who's the third. See, I I think B. John Robinson's a blue chip player, but everybody does, but I don't even put him in the equation for the Eagles. Am I wrong? I don't. I don't put him. I, I think there's a snowball's chance in hell that he goes ten. But you know what? We you know. I don't know. <laughs> I take ten off the board. Eagles aren't taking him. Agreed. How far does a blue chip guy like Dijon Robinson playing in a position that the league has devalued? Who's the team who says stop? We we can't pass this guy. According to Andrew Dicheco, he's one of three blue chip players in a draft. How the hell do we not take him at number blank? What's yeah. that blank number? I think just because of position, he's going to tumble a little bit. I, I can sort of see this sort of un- unfolding. You know how draft night goes. You see they, they focus the camera on somebody, and they're like, how is he still there? Some team's waiting to go. Oh, the green there. room. We love yeah. the green room. Right, love like, to see people like, sweat in the green room. They're like, look at him. A team's waiting to go up and get him. I, I could see him maybe going 17, to anywhere from 17 to 20 if, he, if the Eagles, and I don't think the Eagles are going to take him at 10. You, you can sort of see that happening anywhere from maybe, I don't know, 15 to 20. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, they're going to be in a position to do, and they have a bit of a luxury. I mean, we're talking about a Super Bowl team with two first round picks. So there's some, you know, luxury built into that. And Howie has proven 
It's not even necessarily going to be about this year. Could be about next year. Could be about cornerback. Could be about um, offensive tackle. The heir apparent to Lane Johnson might start sure. a right guard. A lot of different ways they can go. You know, one interesting player we haven't mentioned is Miles Murphy, uh, who just recently had sort of his own personal pro day. Um, he's he's a guy who I don't know. He seems to have gotten lost in the shuffle a little bit. Uh, you think it was because of the late pro day? Because uh, uh, he's got – because early in the process, he was on a lot of top ten lists. Yeah, it's interesting. I think the late pro day sort of hurt him a little bit, but I think he might be one of those players, John, that you see have one of those late resurgence. Like, you know, the week before the draft when you hear that, you know, we call it smokescreen week. All of a sudden, he's on a lot of teams' boards as being a potential top 10 pick. I think he's going to go a little bit higher maybe than some of these mock drafts currently have him going because when you look at his traits, he has translatable traits that I think that you can be a plug-and-play defensive lineman uh, from probably from day one. I actually have him ranked with Wilson as the 2 and 2A wow. Behind Anderson, I hope that nice. I actually he's the guy that I'm hoping Eagles draft if they uh, do go defensive uh, and an edge at the number 10 spot. I right, uh, we've mentioned this many a time. We'll do it many a time over the next two plus weeks. Last year, Philadelphia Eagles had three, three, count them, three first round draft picks. Those picks <laughs> were selected at the spots the Eagles had them no times. Howie didn't use any of those three picks in the spot where they actually were. Traded one for A.J. Brown, traded one to the Saints for the future first-round draft pick that they're benefiting from this year, and they moved up from where they were at to get uh, Davis in the middle. Howie loves to deal, and I, I give him credit for it. I think if it's it's one of his highest uh, traits. If you go back and rank Howie on everything that it takes to be a good general manager, this is one of the things that he does best. I say it. Uh, you two guys both nodded your head. You say it. The other general managers in the league, do they go Howie Roseman? He won executive of the year. He's beat me in de- trade day deals before. Why the hell would I deal with Howie Roseman? No, no way. Don't even answer the phone. Eagles are calling. Hang up. Don't take that call. Is there any chance the Eagles feel the pinch of that this year? It hasn't, they haven't so far, you know, the, despite, you know, his track record. So I think he's certainly going to try it. Uh, I, I, I anticipate him <laughs> being able to do it. He's like a, he's a smooth car salesman and, he and is. whatever he says uh, it's, it sounds enticing. And I think he's looking, I mean, he, what he's able to do Jody is really remarkable because he's able to see through it and look into the future. And, and he always seems to more often than not, he comes out on top. Yeah. By the way, how he hates when people say that hates it, hates it, hates it, hates it. Hates what? <laughs> when people say fleeces people, um, he, he does not like it. Uh, because of what I just said. He might yeah. get enough people annoyed at him that they say, well, I'm not even going to take his yeah. call anymore. He's fleeced me before. I'm not going to let him fleece me again. That's why he hates well, it. Well, we, we had uh, Blake Bedingfield on the show uh, who worked for the Titans for 20 years, basically. And he said, you know, how we got uh, the GM fired, basically, yeah. which oh, he yeah. did. He fleeced them. Exactly right, and, Johnny uh, Mack. You know, he should have gotten Mickey Loomis fired, uh, you know. So, yeah, people are going to start figuring that out, maybe. Um, but, you know, I, I will say he hates when people say it. Now, one 
issue with this team, and I think it's an issue, and I might be the only one who thinks it's an issue because obviously the Eagles don't think it's an issue. But if they were going to play a game today, Andrew, and the Phillies are finally, but the Eagles are not, luckily, uh, your starting linebackers would be N'Kobe Dean and Nicholas Morrow, the famed 18th century author that we all love. Um, that's not good enough. I, mm-hmm. I, so I need a starting off ball linebacker in the second or third round. Is that possible in this draft? Uh, well, I think I was. Uh, well, first of all, I agree with you. Their linebacking situation is, is in my opinion, <clears throat> problematic. And to, to put it mildly, you can't go into a season with Nicholas Morrow and the Kobe Dean as your two starting linebackers. That being said, John, I do think that you can get somebody, maybe like a Jack Campbell from Iowa, who I do like a lot. Iowa players transition traditionally to the NFL level pretty fast, which is what they need. In the third round, I like a player named Dorian Williams from Tulane. He's 6'1", 235, very athletic. Good sideline to sideline prowess, good in, specializes in coverage. Um, I think he would pair nicely with Nicobe Dean, a little bit bigger in size than Nicobe. So you you would you I think the Eagles are really going to miss that size that TJ Edwards had there because having two small guys really makes you vulnerable up the middle. I think they need to add think they need to keep that in mind moving forward. But those are two guys that I would that I would circle. You also wonder if maybe they I mean I can't see them dealing a, a pick for a linebacker, but maybe looking at a linebacker who has maybe one year left from their rookie deal or something like that, because yeah, they, they do Gardner Johnson, right? Right. They need yeah. an instant guy that they can plug and play because right now what they have isn't good enough. All right, Andrew, I asked this question of John Stoner. So we had now our number one, same uh, question for you. When the Eagles open up next season against, yeah, we don't know. We got to wait till May when this schedule comes out, we know who they're playing. We just don't know when they're playing them, but whoever, Week one's opponent is, could be Kansas City and Kansas City rematch of the Super Bowl. The Eagles wide receiver three, when they go to three Mm. wideouts for maybe even the first play of the game, wide receiver three is going to be who? Is it going to be Quez Watkins still? Will it be a still-to-be-determined acquired free agent? A draft pick, second, third, maybe a fourth or fifth, if they got those kind of picks. Who is going to be the Eagles wide receiver three on opening day of next year? Love this question. I don't think it'll be Quez. I think he is best suited to be a four. That being said, I think they go the free agent route, maybe get a 25-year-old low-cost option like Alameda Zacchaeus. Yeah, everybody it, it, loves his kid from Atlanta. Well, Something's, I, I, something's going on there, well, uh, I, Andrew. I, I, I've, ri- I've written about him. I've tweeted about him. I was at his pro day at Virginia, actually, when I was there to see Juan Thornhill. Really good kid. Went to St. Joseph's Prep, so he's local. He's local ties. Good short area quickness. Sure-handed. Can contribute as a punt returner, which you're getting multi-value there, which I think is appealing. Uh, coming off a career season in a, in a lackluster Atlanta offense, I think that there's a lot to like there. Low risk, high reward, or moderate reward at least signing, and gives you a little bit more of a sure. So why? Uh, so I'm with you. I brought up that name as well. Yep. Plus he's a pure slot guy. Right. Um, and Quez isn't. Um, so what's going on? He's 25. Um, why isn't he signed at this point? It could be, could come down to financials, but I also think that he's his, his height, he's 5'8", 195. 
works against them a little bit there. Obviously, Isaiah McKenzie was somebody who was cut loose, and he's even smaller than that. But I think that maybe Zacchaeus sees this as, uh, hey, I'm 25 years old. Just like you said, John, he was not drafted. He wasn't invited to the combine. This might be his chance to to get to sort of dictate what he's going to make. Uh, obviously, if you're this in third wave of free agency, you're not going to get uh, yeah. a, a lucrative uh, bag here thrown at you. But I, I think it could come down to financials. All right, if I give you the choice of these two guys, deal's the same. One year, $2 million. Uh, it's uh, the going rate at about this time. There's a whole bunch of guys didn't even get that, uh, wide receivers who were signed here in free agency. But let's use a nice round number. One year, $2 million. Zacchaeus or Jarvis Landry? Which would you rather have for the same exact one-year deal? For a one-year deal, I probably would have Jarvis Landry because I think the Eagles really need a uh, a chain-moving wide receiver, maybe like a Jason Avant, somebody that that, that Jalen Hurts can go to in, in clutch moments. Lawrence Landry has about as sure hands as you're going to find, and I think somebody that he's not going to break uh, a number, you know, break a long one, but I think that he can move the chains and get you your ten yards and a first down, which is what they really need to make the keep the offense moving cohesively. Another uh, pure slot guy, which is the reason why I like him. Because, um, but again, I don't know. Is he's still sitting out there? Why? Why would he be? He's been a wide receiver one, let alone a wide receiver two. And you're asking him to be a wide receiver three? Well, he did that better than unemployed, and all these guys are sitting out there without jobs. So at some point, they have to say, "All right, I got to cut the best possible deal that I can." All yeah. right. Um, last one for me, Andrew, and thank you very much as always for hopping on sure. board. Will Howie Roseman do a deal? If we all assume that Howie's going to sucker somebody, what's the word he can't stand, John? Fleece? Yeah, yeah fleece. Yeah, if he's yeah. going to fleece someone, <laughs> is it going to be day of draft? Will it be before? Because the Eagles have done that, right? The Carson Wentz thing. They made a trade before they made a trade to get up to take Carson Wentz. So sometimes it's a process you got to go through to get there. What do you think the timing's going to be on Howie's draft moving? I think it would be the day of the draft, and I do think that it would happen. Just given the amount of holes that the Eagles have versus the amount of picks that they have, obviously you're not going to be able to satisfy all their needs in one foul swoop there. But I think that when you look at linebacker, they need a starter. When you look at safety, they need a viable starter. It's sort of a crapshoot in the draft once you get past the first and second round as far as players that can be a plug-and-play option. So I think that you may see that entice Howie to maybe go go for a player, kind of like what they did in late August for C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Yeah, it makes sense. At Andrew Jacheco, make sure you follow Andrew on Twitter. Read him at InsideTheBirds.com. Before you get out of here, I'll ask you number 30. We, we focused on 10. Mm-hmm. Number 30. And remember, there's only 31 picks in the first round this year because of the Dolphins. So, um, and they're hijinks. Um, Fifth-year option comes into play. Um, sometimes you can take advantage of it, uh, especially if teams want to get a quarterback and they want that extra year. Um, you can fall down a few spots. Hendon Hooker, he's older, coming off an ACL as well. Um, where do you have him going? Could he be in that mix 30 or so? I've, I've heard – People say he's going to go higher than that. Where do you think? Where do you think of Hendon Hooker? Yeah, people have people have sort of alluded to him going even higher than that. But I, I think he'll sort of round out the first round, just given the position uh, positional value. 
And, and you're right. There could be a team that becomes, you know, that they, they want to grab a quarterback. So they, they contact the Eagles and if the Eagles were to trade back guys. That's that, that anywhere between 62 where they would pick next and 30 there's, that's a sweet spot for a lot of good players, particularly safety, Antonio Johnson from Texas A&M, some good offensive linemen there might be able to get a corner like a Deontay Banks. So I think that there would be uh, there, like it would be a good move for the Eagles if, if they do opt to do that. All right. Last question. Most important one. If you and Jeff Mosher and Adam Kaplan are all going out to lunch together, <laughs> who's the quickest to the wallet to pick it up? Who's the slowest? It to the better wallet? be Kaplan. Pro- no, probably, here. probably Jeff. Ooh. I, I, I might say Jeff. But I think uh, I'm going to give you a politically correct answer. I think we all we <laughs> we all would look to pick up Rose. Same now. exact timing. Yeah, uh, that Same is again. a completely politically correct answer. And yeah, 100% BS. But we appreciate <laughs> it because we throw BS around here for two hours every single day. Uh, Andrew, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on board. Tell the boys we send our regards. Thank you much. We'll get you on again before the draft rolls around. My pleasure, guys. Take care. Thanks, Andrew DiCecco from uh, Inside the Birds. I'm going to reach for that check and hope that, uh, you know, I'm going to be strategic about it. I'm going to wait to see Jody Max start to reach, and then I'm going to reach. Okay. All right. hope, uh, hope you beat me to it. Are you? Uh, uh, let me see. Yeah, I got longer arms than you. That's probably a pretty good play on your part. I, I, if we go at the same time, I'm probably going to get It's, uh, you know, yeah, length. That's big. Lengthy arms. That's big. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, draft day considerations and check grabbing considerations. Who's got the lengthiest reach? All right. He's John McMullen. I'm Johnny McDonald. We'll come back. We'll put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. of life 
First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Might not be a bad thing. There's tempting. I, I don't know why we play that commercial. How many times each and every single show, and it it doesn't hit home. I just like, wow. I wish I was going down the ocean casino for the weekend. I don't know why. Yeah, man. But uh, and we got uh, the new logo up there. Five year, five year. Look at that. Look at the logo up there. Is it new? I upper left. Way. Yeah. Okay. I, I, when did that start, Sander? <laughs> Over your shoulder or my shoulder? Which one are we talking about here? Um, if you look at the top of the box to the left, so you have Jacob. It started this week. Uh, you got Jacob Sports right at the top of our heads. And off to the left, you got the Ocean five-year um, uh, logo. Five years? Uh, didn't, didn't didn't see that, didn't notice that. Uh, but I just said... Uh, grab me as hey you, you could you could have been at ocean this weekend if you weren't working mcdonald's so that's the last question i have for you mcmullen about working and whenever i ask you this question you, you your eyes kind of glaze over about future eagle engagement because they're not always as forthcoming as you would like or our uh streamers or viewers would like um yesterday the uh, ravens had their pre-draft media gathering which is really far out it's like three yeah, weeks that, that was really, really early yeah man you don't want early. it that early and they died and they couldn't ask me. about lamar jackson by right the way. no lamar jackson nobody even brought up darius slay and the fact that he says he was this close to being a raven um any guess, Johnny Mac, as to when the Eagles are going to get the uh, important people like Howie Roseman out in yeah, front of you guys so he can dodge thing. questions about the draft? I'm going to say uh, April 27th. You know, well, That's a Thursday. So I'm going to say about 10 days before that. Um, so. You know, what would uh, what would April 17th be on the calendar? That'd be a Monday. Yeah, Monday, Tuesday, somewhere in that range. Seventeenth, yeah, eighteenth, somewhere thereabouts. Uh, so we got to get all the way through next week first before we get uh, to right. And and oh, by the way, you guys will do a great job. And I mean this when I say this. You know, I like Pimp and McMullen and all the Eagle Beat writers who are good enough to come on here on our show all the time, who I also give a hard time to. But they do do a really good job at getting information from those guys. They're working under restrictions. You only get one question. Half of the time it's virtual. And so I, I, I understand the handicaps they're under. 
and John and his cronies do a great job, or at least that's my opinion. Uh, uh, you're not going to get anything out of Howie. He is. He'll get all ticked off if you say, who are you fleecing this year, Howie? That's why oh, yeah. uh, he, 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 he does a good job of saying something while saying nothing. And I expect them to do it the same when you guys get the chance to talk to them before. The you know where you can get some information is themes, you know. Obviously, he's not going to talk about certain players, but he might give up some information on themes. I always talk about the fifth-year option. I talked about that with him back in 2018. He gave a really detailed, uh, good explanation on, you know, the difference between, you know, having the 32nd pick and the 33rd pick, and uh, you know, from a from a GM's perspective and the leverage it gives you. And and sometimes, which I didn't even think about, sometimes it it it, it lessens the leverage if if there's a certain position that's not there, and you don't want to pick there, but you have to pick there because nobody wants to come up. Um, so at times it could be a negative thing as well. It's usually positive, but it was interesting. Here's a theme that I'd like to see Howie Roseman address. How are you going to go about making your special teams better this upcoming year? You gave you gave Hired. your coordinator a, a an extension. I don't know. I just thought that their special teams were lackluster at best last year. Yeah, I mean, it's well, see, that's the problem too. You don't want to waste a question on a punter. Uh, you know, it's like, but they need to get a punter. Uh, yeah. we, we haven't talked about it that much. I asked somebody about it. You know, what's a punter? And they brought up the Michigan kid. I forget who it was, but um, might have been Rick. Rick Saratella uh, brought up the Michigan kid. They need, they need, they need a punter, and that might be a seventh round. Might be a seventh round punter year. Well, we've got two two and a half weeks before the draft. Oh, believe me, I'll ask you about punters. We'll get some draft guys on and ask them about punters at some point. Uh, Johnny Mac, good show today. I think we started the second 500 shows we're going to do together off uh, on a good foot. Uh, I'll be back here on Monday for the first full week of the next 500 shows. Are you in on Monday? Let's do it. Getting closer and closer. It's draft season, Jody. It's getting more exciting. Draft season will continue. Silly season, as they like to call it. Monday on Birds 365, McMullen and McDonald in two and two days, that is. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.